Hey friend, welcome to Living in the Light. Each week, I will sit down with a friend who is an artist or creative as they share their story of how Jesus brought them from the dark and into His glorious and powerful light. At the end of each episode, I'll be diving into a passage of scripture and bringing you truth straight from the Word of God. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that you matter and that with God, even the messy parts of your story have incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Okay, friends, today's episode is at the top of my list for favorite conversations I've had on this podcast. You're going to hear my conversation with founder and creator of the Hollywood Prayer Network, Karen Covell. So maybe like I was with so much curiosity, you're wondering, what is the Hollywood Prayer Network? So the Hollywood Prayer Network is a nonprofit organization seeking to build a bridge of love and respect between Christians in the church and professionals in Hollywood through prayer. They are committed to mobilizing Christians around the world to pray for the people, the projects, and the issues in the entertainment industry with an attitude of love. It is their greatest passion to challenge global Christians to engage in culture, to pray for the media, and to help transform the spiritual climate of Hollywood with hearts of love and compassion. Their goal is to build bridges, light the way, and bring a message of love, hope, and healing to an industry that they know dramatically shapes our world. Karen is a powerhouse and her stories are pretty mind-blowing. I could have extended this conversation for hours and just sat and listened to her tell me stories of how she has witnessed and experienced God's faithfulness through her time working as a creative in the industry. A little bit about Karen herself outside of her organization. Karen is a wife to her best friend, Jim, a mom to two grown creative sons, and a talented independent film producer. She most recently concluded a four-year term on the national board of the Producers Guild of America. Karen says she loves mentoring young people that are new to the entertainment industry. She says about herself, My passion is to tell stories and to help others know how to tell stories. I love capturing the heart of people in all walks of life and letting others be inspired by them. I find real stories more compelling because we learn so much from the lives of others. And truth is always better than fiction. You are going to love today's episode with Karen Covell. Well, Karen, I'm just delighted to have you on the podcast today. And I would just love for you to open the podcast interview in prayer. Would you you start us in prayer? Lord, I thank you for this podcast, for Laura Lee's passion to reach Mm. others, especially young women, to know that you are real, you Mm. are strong and powerful, and you love us so much. You want the best for us. I thank thank you you for our conversation today. May it glorify you and Mm. inspire other people and make an eternal difference. We give you every word, every part of our conversation, Mm. and ask that you use it beyond anything that we could hope or imagine. Thank you, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Karen, thanks for taking some of your time to come on this podcast today. I'm, I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Well, how fun of you to think of me. I look forward to what we're going to talk about. Okay, to start us off, will you just share for the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, great. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago in a very creative home. My mother had been an actress. My father had been a singer. Mm. I'm one of four children, and we went to concerts and plays and dances, and we just filled our life with culture. And uh, when I was uh, ready to go to college, I chose going to USC for two reasons in Southern California. One, because of the weather. Yes. And Chicago got cold. And the other reason was I wanted to go in theater. I wanted to have a creative vocation. So I got to uh, the University of Southern California. And the first week I found out they didn't let the freshmen perform in any onstage plays. And I thought, 
well, that's ridiculous. That's why I'm here. So <laughs> I immediately started a freshman theater company. Yes, you did. We, we performed shows on campus. I set up a stage once a month and we had a team of freshmen and we wrote shows. We chose shows to perform. We had a great wow. time and I never got on stage from that moment on. I started producing. And by my junior year of college, I was not a believer. My home was a wonderful creative home, but not a Christian home. And by junior year, I had become a Christian. My freshman dorm roommate was a committed believer. And she led me to Jesus three weeks before the end of my freshman year of college. So I was a tough one that whole year. I asked her all kinds of questions that I just couldn't figure out why she was so amazing. And I learned it was Jesus. So I was walking through campus about three weeks before the end of freshman year. And I just suddenly was ready. I said, God, I want what Debbie has. So would you come into my life and do whatever you did to her because she's so amazing. But there are three things I don't want. I don't want to tell anybody about you. <laughs> I don't want to be a missionary and I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> but other than that, take all of me. And I, I waited for lightning or thunder or something and nothing happened. Mm. And so I went to class and thought, oh, well, I did what she told me. And I went back to my dorm room after class. And the second I walked in, she said, what's different about you? And I thought, how does she know? And I said, nothing, because I told God I wouldn't tell anybody about him. And then that night we were doing homework. And she said, Karen, something is different about you. What is it? <laughs> and I literally thought, is something showing? What's, what's happening to me? <laughs> but I said, no. We went to bed. We got up the next morning. I dressed. I was ready to run out to class. And she stood in front of the door and said, you got to tell me, did you become a Christian? I broke into tears. How did you know? Yes, I did. She starts crying. I've been praying for you every day for the whole year. Wow. And it was, it was amazing. I was so excited to tell her, but I said, I've got to go to class. I'll tell you later. I ran out the door. I shut the dorm room and I remember thinking only Debbie, I'm not telling anybody else. And I went to class, and for the next three weeks of school, I was faithfully quiet and never told anybody about my faith except Debbie. I went home that summer, excited to be with my family, who was a fabulous family. And the first week home, my mother said to me, I hate to tell you, but your dad and I are thinking about getting a divorce. Mm. I completely fell apart. I couldn't stand it. And all I knew to say was, Mom, you need Jesus. You, you have to accept Jesus. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, Debbie told me. And I told her about me becoming a Christian. Yeah. And she didn't know anything. And I said, we have to pray right now. And right there, my mom became a Christian. Oh, my goodness. And then she said, you have to tell your grandmother. So she set up lunch two weeks later. And we sat down at a restaurant. And my mom said, okay, tell grandma what you told me. And I told my grandmother about Jesus. And she became a Christian. Oh, my goodness. And... Then I went, Karen. Back to, I went back to college in the fall, and I just had this passion to yeah. tell people about Jesus. It was so exciting. I started tracking down the people in the theater department who are Christians, and I formed a little Bible study of, of the Christians, and I was yeah. praying for the non-believers, and I was sharing my faith with my sisters and my brother so crazy that they told me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got married to my husband, who I met at USC. He's a composer. And we had two children. And in the process, I realized that I was a missionary in Hollywood. And Jim and I started prayer groups. We started training groups. We've had a class in our home for over 30 years called How to Talk About Jesus Without Freaking Out. And we've written a book on it. And we... But we just know we're mission, we're missionaries in in the world's most influential mission field, the Hollywood mission field. Wow! And then when my sons were younger, we decided we wanted to support a, a young man in World Vision. And where did they connect us to? Somebody in Africa. So I, <laughs> Jesus said, "You you don't even know." You don't you, even know what I have in store for you. <laughs> what a marked woman! I love him. He's so creative. 
Oh, so five years ago, we took a trip to Africa, our whole family. Yes, it you did. The most <laughs> life-changing, extraordinary, joyous wow, Karen. And on the way home, I realized, oh, Lord, don't ever tell you what you don't want because those have wow. turned out to be the three greatest joys of my whole life. Oh, so now I'm a producer goodness. in Hollywood. My, my husband jokes and he says, you should have told him you didn't want a million dollars. Yes, yes. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, so we... Uh, live and work in Hollywood. I'm a producer. I produce specials and documentaries and I'm packaging mm. a feature film right now. Wow. And we, our sons are grown. They're in the industry mm. and we all just love creative conversations and creating. We made movies together as a family for 10 years every summer while the boys were growing up and the last one ended up on Amazon Prime. I, we just have had so much joy being creative together. Wow. That is a beautiful story. That is a beautiful story. It makes me think of the things that I've been like, Lord, please just don't let me do that. It's like, oh, well, you never know. You never know where he's going to take you. I want to know more about what did you say? What's the class you've taught in your home? How to talk about Jesus without freaking out. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that. We bring about 15 people at a time into our home. We've done it for 30 years, over 30 years. Okay. And we take six weeks. Um, we used to do eight weeks. Um, and we go through how can believers be more effective sharing their faith in the Hollywood mission field? How can we love people? We don't want to force Jesus on anybody. We don't right. want to be bad witnesses. We want to love people to Jesus. So we talk about how to be servant leaders. We talk about how we can tell our story. And the whole class is built around three stories. We have to find out their story. We can't just... Mm -hmm force Jesus on someone. We have to find out who they are, where they've come from, where are their weaknesses and strengths and passions and brokenness. Then we get a chance to tell our story and we have to be prepared to know why is Jesus important to us? Why do we follow him? What does yeah. he do in our life that's, that's beautiful? Mm. And then eventually we tell God's story. So it's their story, your story, his story. And God's story is how someone can come to know him and have eternal life. Yes. And so we walk people through. We've spent time with hundreds of Christians in Hollywood through the years and encouraging them to have an eternal impact while they're living and working in our industry. Wow. I bet so much fruit has come from that, Karen. I, hope I want to so. go through the class. I wish I lived near you. I, <laughs> I, wish you did I would come over tomorrow night. That sounds amazing. Isn't that fun? It's so. just the power of people's testimonies. That's been a lot of what this podcast has been, is just hearing artists and creatives come on here and tell how Jesus has come into their life and taken them from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. And it's just, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's like the verse in Revelation where it says, um, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies, right? That's it, like, in like, fact, I'm going to send you a copy of another book we wrote called The Day I Met God. Yes. It's 34 stories of just how people's lives were transformed by Jesus. And we love to give this book to nonbelievers because they get to just read stories. We're not trying to tell them anything. But these are true mm -hmm. accounts of people whose lives have been transformed. And it's so exciting. It makes me think about this industry and how storytelling is at the heart of what we do. It's pretty, it's pretty beautiful that that is a huge part of our faith as well. Well, that's it. And the fact is, Jesus was the best storyteller of all. Oh, yes, he was. We learn how to tell stories from him because it even says in the New Testament, Jesus didn't tell anything without telling a story. He mm. used allegories. He used he analogies. Did. He just love to tell stories. And then he would ask questions. And those are the two main ways that we can be the most effective in mm. sharing our faith is to tell stories and to ask questions. Wow. And I don't know that that's how people usually lead, you know? Yeah. And no. that's, that is a compelling thought. I mean, Jesus is the most compelling storyteller and got on every single person's level and wanted to know where they, you know, what their hurt was, what their pain was, what their brokenness was and meet them right there. 
That's it. He always asked questions. He mm-hmm. always reached out to find out how that person was doing or mm-hmm. who they were. You know, the woman at the well, he led her to tell him who she was and that transformed her. And so we think we need to tell people the four spiritual laws or we need to tell them the gospel. And the fact is we need to love them and we need to listen to them and we need to offer um, hope to them. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, Karen, I would love for you to share more about the Hollywood Prayer Network. Um, So for the listeners, Karen and I just connected this past week through a friend who is is actually on the podcast, Alexandra Boylan, and she makes faith-based films. And Karen runs Created Started. You're that. What's your title? I don't know. She is. Founded, the, she's founded the founding director, director yeah. of the Hollywood Prayer Network, and I got to be on one of her prayer calls on Friday, and just was deeply encouraged by getting to be on Zoom, but with artists from all over the world who are praying and interceding for other artists in the entertainment industry, specifically by name and what their need was and what projects they're working on. And it just, I have, Karen, have had a heartbeat for the performing arts, the performing artists, the rising up performing artists, and just passionate about sharing um, Jesus with with them and, and bringing together them as well. So I love that you're doing this. And I think one thing I thought was this is just so much bigger than we can even understand what the Lord is doing in every industry, but really specifically um, in the art in the arts. So the Hollywood Prayer Network. Oh well, thank you. You are right. God has a special heart for creative people. His first he does. act was creation. We would not be here without His unbelievably eternally mm. creative art that he brings beauty. We can touch people through beauty, through art. Um, my sister, who's not a believer, says that every Sunday morning when we go to church, she goes to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. She says, that's my church. Mm. There is a power in the arts because it's not a definitive, um, tangible issue. The arts are so subjective. They're so heartfelt. They touch the soul. Mm -hmm. And that's how God loves to reach people. And so in going into the arts, my husband and I found when we went into Hollywood that, first of all, it was very hard. The arts are very hard. People in our country do not know how to support artists. Our government does not have big funds for arts. Um, The private sector doesn't quite understand the arts. Families think that artists should find a real job or move away from their ego and start doing something practical. I mean, there's a very interesting mindset that I believe is spiritual battle that stops Christians from being encouraged to go into the arts. Mm. And I've also studied through time that when any fascists or dictators or um, communist leaders, anything, when they take over historically, And absolutely every single time, the first thing they get rid of in a culture are arts and religion because those are the two intangibles. They're the two heartfelt businesses, art and religion. They're scared. They can't control them. And so what I've found is that that's where the enemy feels threatened the most because he can't control it. So it's a spiritual battle to get Christians to stay in the arts. And so when Jim and I were in the industry, we started a prayer group immediately. We, that prayer group lasted 33 years until there were so many other opportunities. We told everybody to go out and, and spread, start other prayer groups, join other groups. But that 33-year prayer group built such a foundation of prayer. And while we were doing that, we learned, I, I suddenly one day said, you know, we have prayer for Christians on the inside of Hollywood. And we have artists praying for each other. But there is this gap between the church in America and the arts. The church hates artists. Artists hate the church. They don't understand each other. They don't support each other. And what do I do? And I thought, well, I can't get people in Hollywood to like the church because we have boycotted them. We have pointed fingers. We have judged them. The church has not been good to Hollywood. Yeah. So I thought, but if I get Christians to pray, if you pray for somebody, you can't hate them. 
So mm. I thought I would start a prayer network, get Christians Powerful. around the country to pray for arts and entertainment. And when they do, their hearts will start melting. They'll stop hating them. And maybe that will build the bridge. Well, I've been doing it 20 years. It's very slow, but it's it's working. It's slowly mm. building a community of people saying, whoa, I shouldn't talk against artists. I, sh I shouldn't tell my talented daughter not to go into the arts. I should encourage it and I should come behind them and pray for them. And one of the examples I use is that there was somebody I knew who was involved in a church outside of L.A., and that church was very strong with missions. They even sent a couple to a cannibal tribe in Africa. They paid for them to go. They prayed for them. The church came around them and commissioned them. And then my friend went to the pastors and said they want to go to Hollywood. And the pastor said, no, you're going to lose your faith. Now, that irony of sending someone to a cannibal yeah. tribe, but not sending them to Hollywood was crazy to me. Yeah. And I realized that spiritual battle. Yeah. So it even gave us more strength to say we're doing the right thing. We're going to fight through this. We When we first started our prayer group um, almost 40 years ago, we barely found six other Christians to pray with us. I'm not saying this is because of us, because many other people have come. But what God is doing is now we know over 10,000 Christians in Hollywood. Wow. They keep showing up. They keep coming. We have 20 active ministries. We have churches full of creative people. Mm. We have community growing. We have prayer groups and fellowship groups and Bible studies. And it's amazing. And we keep spreading the word Christians should be in Hollywood. The reason why it went dark is because we left. It's our fault. We need to take back the land. The giants are not too big. Mm, wow. Well, so do you have any specific, any specific stories that come to mind or Karen, how have you experienced the Lord work and move in the entertainment industry? I mean, you just shared that with how he's moved through the Hollywood Prayer Network, but how have you seen the fruit of this come? I can tell you so many stories. It just doesn't stop. I imagine I, you could. It, it, <laughs> and one of them that is really one of, one of my favorites is that years ago, my husband was hired. Uh, no, we, no, I'll start beyond that. We were reading The Hollywood Reporter, my okay. husband and I, and we saw this this front page article on a young couple who were directing and producing together. And they did films that Jim and I label as totally unnecessary. They're R rated, just kind of graphic stories that really they go straight to, to streaming. Now they used to go to DVD. They just didn't go anywhere, but this young couple intrigued us. So we tracked them down and said, we read about you in Hollywood Reporter. We want to get to know you. We became good friends with them. We would go to dinner together. We'd hang out together. We had a baby at the time and they mm. loved playing with them and hanging out at the house and such. And then up came their next film. So they went to Jim immediately and said, we want you to write the music for our film. Yeah. And Jim didn't want to. He didn't want to do that kind of project. We loved them as people, but we had no interest in working with them. And so we said, we've got to be honest and tell them. So we set up a time on a Friday to go to their house. And we sat down. We said, you know, you guys, that we love you. We, we want to be friends with you forever. But Jim said, I'm going to turn down the opportunity to work on your film. I'm so sorry. They looked at him. What are you talking about? We've never met anybody who turned down work. And he said, well, I don't want to judge you. I love you. But for me, I believe someday I'm going to stand before God and I want to really feel good about all of the projects that I chose. And I'm just not comfortable about the content of, of the film. What's wrong? What's the problem? You know, he got mad. She started crying. It was a really hard conversation. Mm. And we talked through how our faith in God made us just have a more narrow choice of the things that we were really excited about working on. And it was no reflection on them, but we just had a different standard because we had a faith that was different than theirs. And by the end of the conversation, we hugged them, told them, thank you so much. They said they had never 
in their 20 years in the business met someone who turned down work. And there we were. So we left and on the way home, we said, we have to be ready to have lost a friendship. And we realized it was that bad. On Monday morning, I get a call from her. Karen, are you, uh, are you available to talk? And I said, well, yeah, what's wrong? And she said, I spent all weekend just walking around the house going, am I a moral person? Do I have a problem? And she said, I think the difference is that you believe in God and I want to know more about that. Can we meet and talk about it? Well, we started meeting together. And instead of that Friday conversation being disaster, she became a Christian. Oh my and goodness. she had never seen somebody who had the moral strength to say no to something. Yeah. And it was so intriguing to her that it was appealing and she wanted to learn more. And that's a representation of many, many stories about Christians who aren't trying to push their faith on anybody, but just have such a confidence in our God that we know it's okay to say no. It's okay to not jump in and do what everybody wants. It's okay to have conviction. And then the Lord can turn that into good if we just do it with truth and with grace. And we've seen people all over our industry experience story after story about something like that, where the person is intrigued, not insulted. That's really amazing to hear because I think the first thing I think whenever I do say no to a project because of content is, is that thought of, uh, you know, like, how, how do I say no when I'm already unemployed, you know, when, when just like having a job sounds great, but to think about how the Lord can honor your, your desire to, to walk in obedience to him when you feel that this, I do not feel peace about this to, to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you are going to provide for me um, as I say no. But then to think like, I, I think I, I stay with, Lord, you'll provide, but to think you could do immeasurably more than just provide for me. Like through that, no, he transformed someone else's life. Yes. Um, so just, yeah, thank you for sharing that because oh, yes. really encouraging. Oh, I'm so glad. And it reminds me of um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mm. who were willing to jump into the fire without, they believed God would, would protect them, but they knew even if he didn't, even it was the right thing to do. And that's what Jim and I find all the time. We want to stay true to the Lord, love other people, but not compromise our own moral convictions, not compromise our walk with Jesus, who we love so much, but to depend on Him and to need Him so desperately that He gets a chance to work. And that's where we go, even if this doesn't work out well for me, I'm willing to do it because I want to be faithful to my Lord. Amen. I was just reading the verse in Job uh, chapter one, verse 21, where it says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, that is so it's over. It's overwhelming to think, you know, I ask you, Lord, because you say ask for things and you do bless your children. Like he delights in blessing us and blessing his children. But then also we can know that like we have his presence, which means we have everything. So yes. he, it, we can have things taken away from us and still have everything. It's overwhelming. It. It's overwhelming and so exciting. And that's what makes our life as believers an adventure every day. Yeah. Because we're not in control and we don't want to be because it's so much better letting the Lord lead us and guide us. Yes. And when he does, he takes us places that we've never yes. been. He has us meet people we would never meet. And he has us learn things that we would never be open to otherwise. Yeah. Cause he's truly our friend. Yes. It's he, so true. So and sweet. To, and to be able to empower other people to feel the same way, like what you're doing on your podcast to say, I love the Lord so much and it's so exciting to me that I just want to share it with other people. Yeah. And that's where he means to, to share the good news. Yes, it's such good news. Okay, back to your story. I get the question a lot, Karen, of how do you know what content or what jobs to take or to not take in the industry? As someone who is lots of years down the road has experienced so much more in this industry than I have. How do you answer that question? I'm sure people have asked you that 
a lot Absolutely. as well. I mean, it's not like there's a chapter in the Bible where it says, and w- it, when you're in the performing arts, here's what, here's out, an outline of what you can and can't do in a, in a, <laughs> in a, jo- in a job. So uh, besides the Holy Spirit, like convictions. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if we could turn to a chapter and go, here, just read that. That would yeah. be lovely. Here's, here's the thing. We have conversations ongoing. We, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. At any stage of our career, whether you're just getting into it or whether you've already been in it for years, mm-hmm. here are three things that are really, really important. Oh, I'm the ready first, to hear. The first one is before you get into a situation like that, you have to know what you believe. Yeah. Before you enter the industry, you have to ask the Lord, show me where my line is to draw in the sand. Let me know for me, not compared to other people, but for me, what, when, Lord, do you think I should start questioning and when is it okay to go ahead? Now, that question is different with actors than it is with producers or editors or writers because we all have a different part of the project. And an actor is much more vulnerable than a producer. Mm -hmm. So I have a different line to draw than you do. I am not putting my body in front of people. I am not putting my heart and soul opened up in front of people. So I know that I have a different way to decide what's okay than you do because you have a different circumstance. So the first thing is to go into the business knowing that there will be a point you have to make a decision. And what do you think you feel comfortable with? You can't be legalistic, but you have to be prepared. Mm-hmm. The second thing is you have to continue to seek God first. You have to ask him about everything. Lord, guide me in this audition. Let me know if it's right to say yes or no. Yeah. Please um, give me wisdom to know what is right to say yes and no to. How do I make my next choice? Lord, the, mm. it has to be an ongoing conversation and ongoing relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Can't suddenly turn to him when you need him. Okay, Lord, it's been a year. I haven't talked to you, but do I take this part? You know, that's that's not going to get you that, that growing foundation of wisdom that you mm. want to have. And the third thing is you can't make a decision out of fear. You can't make a decision because you need the money or because you're afraid you'll never get called again or because you're afraid what your agent will say to you. If there's any choice out of fear, it's going to be the wrong choice. You've got to say, I believe I'm making this decision because it's the best for my relationship with the Lord. And if I'm wrong or not, Lord, at least you know my heart. And you know that I'm doing what I believe is best in your eyes. And that's the choice I'm going to make. And you can't compare yourself and you can't do it out of fear. You have to just know. And there are people that have been too careful. And later they said, you know, I was a little too careful. And I I realize now that I didn't need to be so worried. And there are other people who say, you know what? I am so glad I made that leap because God turned it into good. And I'll tell you a quick story of how that happened to me. Mm -hmm. I was hired to do a show, to produce a show called Headliners and Legends with Matt Lauer. It was a celebrity profile show hosted by Matt Lauer. Mm -hmm. It came out of uh, New Jersey, MSNBC. They opened their first LA office and I came on board and I walked into the first room. There were about 12 producers. They were pairing us up into teams And I happened to sit next to a gentleman I never knew before. And the producer looks, the executive producer looked straight at the two of us, me and Rick, and said, okay, we're going to pair you two together and your first subject to profile to spend three months on and make a one-hour special was Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner, who started Playboy magazine, Mm -hmm. who started the Playboy clubs, who he infuriated me. He has objectified women. I think Mm -hmm. he's hurt our culture. I think he's everything that I am against. And Mm -hmm. I and I am told I'm going to spend three months with a man profiling Hugh Hefner. I did not want to do it. I came home and I told my husband and I said, I don't want to do this show. I don't want to spend time with him. I don't agree with him. I don't want to want to lift up the bunnies and the whole, the whole idea of women like that. I don't want to do it. And he said, but if you don't do it, somebody else will. Mm. And if you do it, do it differently. Do it in a way that will make a difference. And I suddenly got excited. 
I thought, well, of course, they're not going to say, oh, because Karen, you don't want to do it. That's a bad idea. We won't profile him. Of course, they're going to do it anyway. So I thought, what can I do differently? So I said, you're right, I'm going to do it. But then I had this Rick guy. So I had to go back the next day and say, Rick, I have to tell you something. I did not want to do Hugh Hefner. And he looked at me and he said, neither do I. I said, what what do you mean? He said, well, I went home last night and I called my pastor. I said, you did? No way. What did he say? And he said, Rick, if you don't do it, somebody else else will. will. So why don't you do it and do it differently? And he said, I got all excited, except I realized I had to come back today and talk to you. We were both Christians. That's wild. Only two Christians in the room. Karen. Nobody else. So you did it. You did it. We did it. And we did it. And I'm telling you, we were praying about what to do. And we both suddenly realized we got it. We are not going to just celebrate all the things he's done. We're going to find out why he became who he was. Mm. What made him become Hugh Hefner? There's everybody has a story. We went back to the why and find out. And we found out the most amazing things. We interviewed people from his childhood. We didn't go to all the big people he knows now. We went to people who knew him personally, who knew his parents. That's interesting. Family. And we built this amazing story. And our last interview is Hef. We went to the Playboy Mansion. We brought a Christian sound cameraman and sound man. We barged the gates with prayer. And the first first question we asked him, sitting in his library, was, Hef, what was your life like growing up? And literally, this is what he said. "This This is what started our interview. Well, we believed in God, but it wasn't a very loving home. Oh, my goodness. And it went from there. We found out his parents never told him and his brother Mm. that they loved them. They never, his mother had a fear, a phobia of germs. There's some name for it. She never touched, hugged, or kissed her children. Oh, my goodness. Ever. And the only thing they gave him as a child to show their love was a blanket that he slept with, he carried, he held on to. It was a bunny blanket. It had little bunny rabbits around the outside of the blanket. That's so sad. And then when he was seven years old, he had always wanted a puppy. And when he was seven years old, he got a tumor in his ear and had to have surgery. And the doctor said he might lose his hearing. So Hef's mother said to her, Uh, She was talking to her her best friend, and the best friend of his mother said, he might lose his hearing. Give Hef a puppy. So she broke down, gave him a puppy. He did the most loving thing he could. He let the puppy sleep and lie on his bunny blanket. And what they didn't know is that the puppy was sick when they got it, and it died five days later. And the first thing the mother did when she had the puppy put away is she burned his bunny blanket because it had germs on it. And Hef said in this interview, I guess I'm just a little kid still looking for love. Wow. So he became a teenager. It became sex. He became an adult. It became a business. He became richer. It became an empire. And it was all built on a broken little boy who never had love. And we wouldn't have known that had Rick and I both decided not to do that interview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. And we've had people through the years see that, that episode and literally track us down and say, were there Christians on that episode? That was, (laughs) we didn't say Jesus in the episode anywhere. But it was really, and so what I tell people, those three things you have to decide, how do I make a decision? Yeah. And when you do, you have to get, you can talk to other people, you can get feedback, but don't be afraid. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They get images or they get ideas of what they think is bad. And they say, no, that's evil. That's bad. And we miss opportunities where the Lord can bring people to him and bring people together. Yeah but we don't have fear. Mm, No, we don't. We walk with the Lord. We trust the Holy Spirit. We get where he leads us. On the other hand, 
if you feel like something is compromising, you cannot be afraid to say no. We have, my husband and I have said no to so many things and we're still working. We still mm-hmm. have a good career. It yeah. didn't end our life. It didn't stop us from working again. We can look back and be so happy about the choices we've made and, and confirm that the no's were just for the moment. And the Lord, as you said before, turns it into good. Yes. Yeah. And he guides it. I thank you so much for sharing that, Karen, because I, n- I really never know what to say. I'm just like, the Holy Spirit leads you. Um, but that was some really wonderful wisdom. And I just appreciate you sharing that story. Did you know that my online Bible study community has a new name? If you're a woman wanting to grow in your faith, this is for you. It started out in the beginning of the pandemic as a small group of women meeting every Saturday on Zoom to do Bible studies together. And now we have a network of women from all over the world connecting online and encouraging one another as we grow together in faith in Jesus Christ. Rise Collective Women is about multiplying disciples of Jesus who are united in Christ, rooted in God's word and rising up for the glory of God. We have a community of women who connect daily through our online home, Rise Collective Women. Rise Collective Women Online is where we do community Bible studies and we share scripture and encouragement as we grow together in faith in Jesus Christ. Think of it as an Instagram feed, but with lots of scripture, prayer, Bible study discussion, and even groups to connect based on shared interests. To find out more, you can visit community.risecollectivewomen.com. There's also a link in the show description. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at Rise Collective Women. We would love for you to join us. Now back to my conversation with Karen. Well, Karen, okay, so since you run the Hollywood Prayer Network, I just, (laughs) I want to hear... What have you learned about prayer? I know that's a really big question, but if you could encourage the person listening to pray, what would you say? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll make it short. I I don't have to, but I do want to. First of all, there's a great quote that prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And what prayer does is it not only can change others. It can change circumstances, but most of all, it changes us. If we are committed to prayer, what we're doing is building a deeper, richer relationship with Jesus, where we are turning to him, depending on him, asking him for things, listening to him, not just giving a laundry list of what I need, but really wanting to spend time in his presence and becoming more Christ-like in the process so that our conversation is one of worship, of joy, of, of fun, of insight, of challenge. And it should be as we breathe. But we have to start with committing to pray. My husband and I have been married 37 years, and we, we have maybe missed praying together daily two or three times in 37 years. We do it on the phone. We do it when somebody's out of town. We do it every morning, every night. We turn to the Lord together because prayer makes us better people. So I say, if if you're a selfish person, Christianity is for you because you end up when you do what the Lord wants, we benefit. And prayer, I feel so strongly about that. I have physically been changed by prayer. I, when our oldest son was eight years old, he got a brain tumor and he had to have emergency surgery. We thought we were going to lose him. And the day before surgery, I didn't think I'd get through. I was just so down and it was so dark. And Jim and I were just hanging in there. And suddenly at 11 o'clock, I looked at the clock. It was a Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. I suddenly physically felt lighter. And I said, you know what? We're going to be okay. Regardless of what happens, we are going to be okay. Let's just keep going. Let's, let's just pour into this, love our son and hold on loosely and go. Physically at that moment, I changed. I learned later 
that 12 of our friends got together in person and at 11 o'clock, they started praying. Mm. And I even get choked up today thinking, I didn't know they were meeting at that point, but I physically felt that I was going to be better because they turned to the Lord, gave up the Super Bowl, and they just prayed and prayed. My son now is healthy. He's fine. Mm. He, we are changed people, all of us, because of it. And my commitment to prayer, I, I could go on forever telling stories about the power of prayer. So all I can say is you better try it, you better commit to it, and then hold on for a beautiful, beautiful change. Mm. Wow. The Lord is really speaking this to me, Karen. I love how he speaks. I love listening to his voice. But my friend, Jamie, she's been saying recently, prayer is the work, Larley. Prayer is the work. And I love that you just said that. Prayer is the work. That's it. Um, something that I'm really curious about is when you know from the Lord, Karen, when he gives you a prayer assignment and says, pray about this and keep saying, pray about this, pray about this, pray bigger. You're I have, I have something for this, but just keep praying. And I think sometimes it makes no sense, and, <laughs> and, but yet he still just keeps telling you to pray for it. Um, what, what, how have you experienced that? Or oh, with, with two different things, great frustration. Yes. And, and a commitment to know he wants to grow my faith. Wow. And that's all I know because and that's what, a gift. Well, it's a gift that I don't know I need. Yeah. And so I really feel like I have to trust him. For instance, I have been praying for my siblings mm -hmm. for 40 years. Wow. Two sisters and a brother. None of them have budged from where they were 40 years ago. We have had conversations. I've given them books. I have prayed and prayed and mm. prayed. But there's, I have such a deep belief that the Lord hears every prayer and that he is in control and that I am making a difference whether I see it or not. And mm. I don't know. You know what? They could be way worse. They could have gotten themselves into a lot of trouble. They, they live good lives. They're good people. Yeah. They just don't know it comes from the, from the Lord. And so I don't know what benefit has come from my prayers, but all I know is I'm not stopping. I am going to keep lifting them up. I am Every once in a while, I get frustrated and go, Lord, come on. And then I go, okay, I get it. I'll just keep going. Yes. And yet, because I've seen so many other answered prayers, yeah. I know he's listening you know, he's to listening. everything. Yes. Everything. Yeah. Yes. Mm, that's so encouraging. We just keep sojourning through this life. <laughs> we Tr do. Trust we that our faith will not be unseen or unheard. There's a great verse that I love. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. It says, keep your eyes open. Uh, hold tight to your convictions. Mm. Give it all you've got. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't that, that great? What translation is that? Um, I think that's the passion. Okay, it's it's pretty. just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And there, there's so much that shifts in our life when we change without us even knowing it. You know, there are times I have gone through years and years of trying to change personality traits, trying to change weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And finally, I realized, you know what? I can't change it. If God wants to change it, I can ask him. Yeah. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit helps me to manage it. Mm. And that's where I depend on him to help me manage something. If I get frustrated, I'm very impatient. And it hasn't gone away. Yeah. So what do I do? I go, Lord, help me manage it. When I'm getting impatient, you just come in and remind me and hold me accountable. And we'll yeah. do this together. And I'll know that it's not going to go away, but that's the way it is. You're going to help me get through it. And that's more dependence on him, more time to pray. And then you see the beauty of him being strong when we're weak. Yeah. It's just amazing that we, this whole life, we get to be sanctified. Oh, every single day that every day. We, we get to grow in faith and grow oh. in trust. 
It's amazing. It's so amazing. And as um, an artist, we get a chance to express that in different ways. Yeah. The dancer can dance. The actress can act. The singer can sing. The artist mm-hmm. can paint. And we can go through our journey and, and share what we're learning through the arts. To me, that's the greatest compliment to be called into that field. Yeah, it is. To bring beauty to the world. Oh, it's oh. really a gift. Yeah, it, 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 it is. really is. Well, Karen, I'm just, I'm so encouraged by our conversation. And I just, I have this, I have this image of you passing on a baton to me as I'm passing on a baton to. I give it to you right now. (laughs) Over Zoom to the the next um, women or young girls that might be listening who dream of doing something like this or know someone who dreams of doing something like this. And would you just give them a final word of encouragement uh, to to chase the God-sized dream that's on their heart to bring beauty through artistry to the world. Yes, and I love the term God-sized because you know what? We all make God too small. We mm. have to expect so much bigger, yeah. so much more, Amen. so much more beautiful, so much more fulfilling. There, he wants the abundant life and that's not money. That's joy and peace and kindness and creativity Mm. and excitement and love and gentleness and self-discipline. It's it's an abundance of all of those things. And if we focus on falling more in love with Jesus and finding godly relationships where we can fall more in love with those people around us and be willing to pray for others and to let them pray for us and to laugh together and to cry together and to seek Jesus's face all the time, our lives will be transformed. It is so worth it. And it's it sometimes seems hard to do, but what is our purpose on life as believers other than to experience all that God has for us? So why would we be the ones to limit it? We mm. should every day ask him, Lord, don't let me get in the way of what you want. Here I am, use me and and help me to get people around me who will build me up and encourage me and I can do the same for them. And now let's go. Let's get on this adventure together. Ugh. Such a good word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. Would you close us in prayer? I'd love to. You are such a joy, Laura Lee. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. I think this might be my favorite podcast episode I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, well, Lord, I thank you for this time that we both have enjoyed. That is a Mm -hmm. gift to us that you are so good and you are so big. And I pray right now for Laura Lee that you expand her territory even Mm. beyond what she can hope for or imagine, that you can build her audience. You can build her passion. You can build her skills and her gifts and her talents. You can updo- You can open up doors for creative work, for singing and dancing and acting in ways that she didn't even know how to pray for. And that she can sense your presence all along the way. Hear your still small voice and be excited about going on this journey with, with mm. you. And I thank you for all the artists who are listening to this, Lord. Would you encourage them today? Would you let them know that they have been specially chosen by you to express your worldview through the arts, whatever it is, singing, dancing, fine arts, um, all the creative arts, graphic arts, film, television, video games. I could go on and on, Lord, but I ask that anybody listening would get a new excitement for who they are and what they do. And a new recommitment to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and make them better, make them uh, more effective, make them eternally significant, and make them enjoy the beauty that you allow them to create. And I thank you that you are building up an army of creative people to make Mm. a huge difference in our world, to be salt and light and to point people to you just through our craft. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Karen. Well, I always end the podcast episode with a little lightning loves so that we can get to know you a little bit. Um, 
we've gotten to know a lot, but this is just a few fun things. So how it's going to go is it's just going to be a lightning round of things you love. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. A food you love. Um, lobster. Oh, yummy. Uh, a place you've visited that you love. Uh, Israel, Jerusalem. Oh, me too. Favorite place. A prayer gathering that you love or oh, have loved. Specific one. We, uh, one particularly called Legacy on a CBS television soundstage where 500 people prayed and worshiped on the soundstage. <gasps> Karen, I think I could sit around and hear your stories all day long. This is awesome. Um, a translation of the Bible that you love. Oh, the passion. Okay. Wow. I've never heard of that one. Um, a book of the Bible that you love. Oh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Mm. It's a chapter, but it's I love the Psalms and Psalm 23 is my favorite. Mm. A project you've worked on that you love. Oh, oh my gosh, I've loved my projects. I think I loved um, Changed Lives, Miracles of the Passion. It was producing a project of people who saw the passion of the Christ and how it changed their life. Wow. The Passion of the Christ, the movie, and the how movie, it changed the Mel their Gibson life. movie, yes. Uh-huh. Well, funny story. I watched, I had never watched that movie because I'm the youngest of three girls and I was really little when it came out. And so it wasn't. It's too violent. I, yeah, it wasn't appropriate for me. And for some reason, I had never watched it. And then, Karen, I chose to watch it on the plane flight to Israel. And oh. I was sitting, I was sitting by strangers and I was like, convulsively weeping it was a very intense experience and I think there was a reason why I watched it on my way there because it really did my heart was in a very raw space when I stepped off the plane in Israel but it is a powerful that's a powerful movie I'm gonna have to watch that project that's cool um a style of music that you love jazz me too I love jazz but my second is Broadway musicals yeah I was gonna say what a Broadway musical you love Oh, my favorite one is Lee Miz. Mm, that's a great But one. I loved Hamilton, too. I Hamilton's so good. Oh. Oh, wow, I love your love for the arts. <laughs> well, that's all of our lightning loves. I love it. It's fun. Yes. Uh, well, thank you again so much, Karen, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it and was just immensely blessed by you. Oh, thank you. Well, I know we'll stay in touch, and I look yes. forward to hearing all your podcasts. Thanks, Karen. Oh, thank you, Laura Lee. Well, friend, I hope you are as encouraged by Karen's life and story as I am. Today, I want to make some space at the end of this episode to encourage you to pray. Whether you pray and talk to God often or if you're listening and you have never prayed before in your life, God wants to hear from you today and He cares about you. He loves you and He listens when you speak to Him. Wherever you are, I just encourage you to stop, take a deep breath, and just ask the Lord to quiet your mind. For the next few minutes, I'm going to just read some scripture and prompt prayer. I encourage you to join me to take the next few minutes to talk to God and to rest in His presence. I will start us off by reading the words Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, 9-14. He says, This then is how you should pray. Repeat after me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He 
closes it by saying, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now join me in taking the next 30 seconds just to praise God. Praise Him for anything and everything you can think of that He has given you today to be thankful for. The breath in your lungs, the ability to work with your hands, whatever you're thankful for, let's all bless the Lord by just thanking Him for all He has given us. join me in thanking him for his son Jesus for the gift of salvation the forgiveness of sins and the hope we have in Jesus Christ let's bless him for blessing us with his presence and a future eternity with him forever and ever What's on your mind today? Is there anything in particular that is causing you stress or anxiety? The Lord cares and he wants to give you his peace and his strength. Take the next bit to just talk to our friend Jesus and let him know what you need. Ask him to help you to receive his peace and love that he is offering you today. Let's take the next few seconds to ask the Lord for his forgiveness, to remember or to receive salvation. If you've never asked him for his forgiveness before, I just want to share that he forgives you. There's nothing you've done that's too much or too messy for the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we get to receive the free gift of God through His Son, Jesus. Eternal life with Him. Total freedom from the bondage of sin, the weight and the pressure of this world. We have everything in Jesus, fully loved, fully known. When Jesus shed His blood on the cross, He did it for you and He did it for me. He nailed all of our sin, past, present, and future to the cross so we could believe and live free. Just say, Lord, I need you. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that he defeated death and rose from the grave, all for me, so that I could know you, walk with you, talk to you, and one day spend eternity with you. I want to know you, Lord. I'm going to read a few passages of scripture that remind us of God's love for us. John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life." 1 John 4 verses 9 through 16. They say, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 
This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Isaiah 43 verses 3 through 4 say, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Thanks for praying with me, friend. Receive his love today, and remember, he is always with you, and he's eager to listen and to respond. Well, friend, thanks for listening to today's episode. I just want to personally tell you, thank you. Thanks for spending time with me on the podcast each week. I hope you're leaving encouraged to talk to God, to read his word, and to pray for the places and the spaces in which you live and work. The Lord is listening to you and he's actively moving through the prayers of his children. We can't always see it, but we can trust that he is. If you wanna hear another podcast episode on prayer, episode nine with Kennedy Coggle is a really good conversation about talking to God and the power of prayer. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, Living in the Light, I would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, and if you have a few minutes, leave a rating and a short review. This helps Living in the Light reach more listeners' ears. As always, go in light and love, and I'll talk to you next week.